Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Well, we're back again at the Corner of Truth and Courage. Thank you for joining us here today. We've been talking about uh, a deeper look into the Quran. We're making a comparison between the manuscripts of the Bible and the evidence of the manuscript of the Quran and making a comparison. Last week we were talking about my book, The Quran on Trial. What does the evidence say? Is it written by a divine God? Is there evidence that God's hand is on this? Or does the evidence lead us to believe that it was a work of men? Well, very clearly, the evidence is pointing to a work of men. And I laid out that case in my book, The Cronon Trial. This week, I am covering with you a, a seminar that I teach in churches and in Bible colleges, The Quran in Crisis. And we're going a little deeper this week in this subject into some of the paleography evidence and uh, the manuscript evidence. And what I'm about to share in this broadcast will help you as a Christian to understand and have great confidence that our Bible that we have in our hands today has a enormous amount of evidence. God has left us a paper trail, and the paper trail is very, very strong. Many have tried to destroy the credibility of the Bible through the years, through the science of textual criticism, when they attack the Bible, it keeps coming up smelling like a rose. Now, are there some manuscripts that have problems? Yes, very clearly. Corruption has attempted to creep into the Bible. People have tried to distort it, uh, destroy it, add to it. We were warned there'd be false prophets. We were told in the book of Revelation, if anyone adds to this book, May the curses be added to them. And so, you know, we, we know that there's evidence of corruption, but we can see very clearly that the believers rejected them. And these passages, these manuscripts kind of lost their way during the way, and they've been just rediscovered through the science of archaeology. Well, let's look into some of the evidence here today. Before we get into that, let me quickly remind you, we are closing in to the last moments of our fundraising campaign here for the summer. We have not reached our goal, but thank you for those of you who've given. Maybe you have not given, but plan to. Would you please give us a call today? The number to call is 800-616-0082. That's 800-616-0082. You can give safely, securely online at fortressoffaith.com. And if you want to give by check, please give us a call. The number again is 800 616 We'll be glad to give you our address. And we want to send you a copy of my book, The Cron on Trial, for uh, giving and helping this ministry. All right, then we're going to make a comparison between the Bible and the Quran in their textual evidence. Now, neither side has the originals. Now, the Quran, the Muslims have been claiming for... Years and years and years. We have the originals. You know, four originals were made, and we still have two of them today, the Sarmacon and the Top Copy. Well, we talked 
hear about the evidence of that uh, just recently, that now their greatest scholars have had to admit these are not the Uthman Qurans. Um, you know, it wasn't codicized um, 20 years later like we've been telling everybody. And we don't even have copies of those early Uthman Qurans. So the question is, what are they making the Quran from? They still have not answered that question. They are having to admit these do not date back to Muhammad's, to the Rashidun Caliphs. They're 100 years to 150 years later, even as many as 200 years later. They weren't even written in Arabia. They were written up in the Kufic script in Persia. So neither side has the originals. But they have to admit they don't have copies of the originals. They don't have anything that dates back early enough. The, the earliest that they've got is 100 years. Now for us... Our earliest is 30 years. Now, they have about, in the Arabic, about 26 manuscripts for us to analyze, for us to scrutinize and look and see. They have about 26 somewhat early manuscripts of the Quran. Now, for us in the Bible, we have over 16,000 original language manuscripts either in Hebrew or in Greek. And so we've got an enormous, a plethora of manuscripts for us to critique and look back. And, and as I said, God has given us a paper trail. The Quran does not have it. Even though people tried to burn and destroy it, God has preserved it. And God promised he would preserve his word. Not only do we have 16,000 original language manuscripts, we also have 19,000 foreign language manuscripts that date back to the early centuries. 19,000. Now, some of these manuscripts are partial. Very few of them are in whole. Some may be just all of the Gospels. Some might have just all of the Epistles. Some might have just the Book of Romans or a portion of a few chapters of John or, or whatever. Some of these manuscripts are in very, very bad condition. Some are in very good condition. But these still are, are manuscripts. And they're still part of the record. Now, were some of them burned? Yes, by the enemies of our faith. And at times when the Old Testament the scribes, the professional scribes of Israel had made a mistake in their copying. They didn't want to allow a faulty manuscript to be included into the record. And so if it was rejected, it was burnt. So there were times that you burned a manuscript only because you knew that you made mistakes in it, and you didn't want those mistakes to continue on. But in the Quran, when they were trying to fix the problem of seven oral versions of the Quran that Muhammad had given them, and they were trying to determine and bring it down to one, there were some remnants of the Quran being written in those first 20 years before Uthman finalized the, uh, the, what they called the perfect Quran.
So then they had to destroy any partial or any other version or any other side of it there because they didn't want us to know that there was this problem. And yet they kept it in the records that it was testified. But anyhow, but they didn't want us to examine that. Now we get to another thing about the Bible. And this is very interesting. Of the second generation preachers, you know, the apostles had trained and prepared preachers to follow them in their churches. I'm going to call them the second generation preachers. And many of them wrote their sermons. And as they wrote their sermons, they quoted scriptures in their sermons. And from these writings of the early uh, church fathers, as we call them, there are over 36,289 verses in these sermons that they wrote. You can almost fill the New Testament from just this side of it. So, so let's look at the paper trail. 16,000 original language manuscripts. The earliest is as early as 30 years after Jesus Christ. So the actual eyewitnesses, you see, that's another thing. We have the eyewitnesses who actually wrote. In Islam, the Quran was written by people who were born AM after Muhammad, 100 years after him. We have 19,000 foreign manuscripts in the Quran. They have none on record. They only have 26 manuscripts. We've got 16,000 original. 19,000 foreign language. They have none. Uh, in the second generation preachers that followed them, they wrote verses. And we have 36,289 verses that we can analyze and stuff to see what we're reading today. Was it the same that they had back then? And the answer is yes. But in Islam... Their early caliphs and preachers and, and imams, we have none of that. They didn't write. Now, the Muslims want to tell us they canonized their Quran 20 years after Muhammad had died. The truth is, it was canonized 1,300 years after it was done in 1924. Prior to 1924, all the Qurans came out of Turkey. They kept saying they were following the Uthman Quran from the top copy. But since 1924, they've been coming out of Egypt. And the one who's in control of that is the Al-Azhar University there in Cairo, Egypt. And they tell us, they, we, you know, when we, we can look to the Uthman Quran now and say, yours reads different than the Uthman Quran. What are you following? And their answer is this. Here's what they're telling us where the Quran comes from. It comes from the, get this, oral tradition, from the oral tradition. Now, I've been scratching my head trying to figure out what in the world that is. And no one's been able to explain what the oral tradition is. Now, ours was canonized about 250 years after Christ. There's 1,300 years after Muhammad. And so we've had consistency for quite some time. Now, I want to get into one, one other thing before we close. For us, everything that we have in the Bible came directly from God to the prophet. He spoke directly to them. 
There were times that God sent angels and spoke through a medium there through an angel, through Gabriel and Michael and other archangels and stuff. But when we have the written word of God, God came, spoke directly to the prophet and they wrote it down. But in Islam, never, ever, ever did Allah talk directly to the prophet Muhammad. He always talked through a medium, through an oracle, through angel Gabriel. What's interesting here is that this is very similar to the Mormon church. Everything came to the prophet from the angel Moroni. And so you have a lot of similarities between Islam and the Mormon church. And here's the thing. If it worked well 1,400 years ago for the devil to confuse and get people to follow a false teaching and a false prophet and a false testament, let's try it again. And he did here in the West and where we have the Mormon church. Let me show you some similarities. Both got their revelations through a spirit. In Islam, through the spirit, through the jinn, Gabriel, for the angel Gabriel. Here in the Mormon church, the spirit of Moroni, the angel Moroni. Both claim to have a heavenly tablet. In the Mormon church, they say, well, we have the golden printing place, but no one's been able to examine them, right? Well, some of the other uh, things have, they both practice polygamy. They both believe in multiple marriages. Both believe in celestial marriages. And both deny a triune God, the Trinity. Now, why are these both similar? Because they have the same author, the devil. Well, I hope this helps you understand a little bit more about some false teachings out there and help you understand that we've got the truth. We're going to have to stop there, but join us again tomorrow at the corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you. Welcome to Fortress of Faith with Tom Wallace, calling North America to repentance and revival. Welcome back to the Corner of Truth and Courage. Yesterday, I started going deeper into a topic that we cut into last week. I wrote a book dealing with the Quran, the Quran on trial, and looking at, you know, from the perspective, what would the evidence tell us about the Quran? Is it a work of a divine God, or is it the work of men? Well, I believe it's obvious that the evidence is pointing us to a work of man, a fabrication. Now, this week, we're going a little deeper in this topic, the Quran in crisis. And this is a seminar that I do in churches and Bible colleges. And as we get deeper into it, we're now going to look at the Bible. We're going to make comparisons with the textual record of the Quran and the textual record of the Bible. You know, because it's only fair to ask and make the same critical questions that we're making of the Quran. How would the Bible shape up with those same critical issues? And so we're going to do that in today's broadcast. I hope you'll stay with us. Before we do, let me again remind you, we haven't reached our fundraising goal. And we do seriously need your help to help us uh, get it this summer. Our goal is $10,000. With pledges, we could be up to $7,000. we are not yet there. It's uh, slow going at the end here. 
And so maybe today, maybe you've been waiting to the end, and uh, this is going to be the last week, you know, whatever it is it is. And so we're going to stop after this week. But uh, would you help us with a donation or maybe become a regular donor uh, on a month-to-month basis? You can do that online at fortressoffaith.com. Give safely and securely that way. Or give us a call. The number is 800-616-0082. Again, that's 800 616 0082. If you want to give a check and and uh, pledge a donation to us that way and get our address, please give us a call 800-616-0082. And I'll be sending those of you who've been part of our summer fundraising campaign a copy of my book, The Crown on Trial. All right, well, let's get into it here. Um, now, the Muslims claim that their scriptures are superior and Christian scriptures, the, the Holy Bible, the Old Testament, New Testament, have been corrupted, and they're inferior. And yet they, they don't lay out a case of an argument, really. Uh, they believe simply because the Quran says so, or the reason why they've got the Quran is because uh, they've been taught that, you know, the Jews corrupted the Old Testament, the Christians corrupted the New Testament, so God, Allah, had to fix the corruption by giving us the last testament the quran so they believe that the quran is the last testament it's all from the same god and it fixes the corruption that crept in let's look at the record if it's you know if it's from the same god then we should have pretty much the same message shouldn't we well we certainly don't have that but uh, let's look at their textual evidence now i want to make a case Uh, you're going to find with the bible you know, the the writers of the Bible started about 30 years after Christ. But the writers of the Quran started much, much, much later, 100 years, 200 years, 300 years after the main writings that we have about Muhammad, the Quran, and all that stuff didn't come until, you know, centuries later. And the point I want to make, the greater the space from the time that it occurred and the time the record was written about it, the greater the doubt grows about its validity. Let me give you an example. Let's say a Viking, Lars, uh, you know, uh, it said that he took a crew and sailed and circumnavigated the globe, okay? However, nothing is written about that event until 100 years later. Well, legends are born in less time. And let's say, though, that instead something's written about it 30 years later. That, you know, they sailed, they ventured out, and they sailed all the way around the world. Well, there could be some of the crew still alive at that, you know, 30 years later. And they say, no, we didn't. We tried, but we failed. We got halfway around, and, you know, the it sunk. So, you know, we, we would have people around to be able to give us testimony whether what was written about the event is true or not. If it's 100 years, 200 years later... Who's there to contest it? No one. And so it's harder to write lies when it's shortly after the event. But it's easy to pass lies when you're 100 years, 200 years later, because there's no one there to contest it. And so with the Quran. In the Bible, let's look at the record, okay? The first biography of Jesus Christ was the Gospel of Mark. 
That was written 30 years after Jesus Christ, after his life and death. And so the first eyewitness account is written 30 years after the life. Now, the first uh, biography of Muhammad wasn't written until 100 years later by a man named Ibn Ishaq. It's called the Sirah, the biography. And so, he, you know, no one is alive that was during the life of Muhammad or one of his companions hardly likely to have any of them alive 100 years later. The first inscription of the name Jesus is found on a, it's called an, uh, an usri, it's a, it's a box of bones. Uh, in Israel, when a body is buried, they're buried in a tomb for seven years and the body decays and they take the bones and put them in a smaller box. There's a name of a, of a believer in Jesus Christ. Is apparently the, the guy said the Christian's name is James. And, and he's buried. And in there in the inscription on the ossuary is his, his belief in Jesus Christ as a follower of Jesus Christ. But the first time the name Muhammad is ever found written on anything is about 70 years after the time it's alleged that he was alive. The earliest manuscript that we know today dates back to 30 to 50 years after the life of Christ. The earliest manuscript that we have of anything about Muhammad dates 100 years after Muhammad. Again, the greater the space, the greater the doubt. And so the Quran has this problem hanging over them. We don't have that with Christianity. And here's another thing, and this is one of the big things. The Bible is written by first-hand eyewitnesses. You know, most of the Old Testament, most of the New Testament, the actual authors that actually put pen to paper were the eyewitnesses themselves. They're telling the story. Now, there is some exceptions. For example, the Gospel of Luke. Luke was not a disciple of Jesus Christ. He was a a doctor, a Gentile, a companion with Paul and some, and been around all the other apostles there. And he writes his gospel of the life of Christ, but was not directly an eyewitness as we know of ourselves. And the book of Acts would be similar in, the, in that area. But the most of, if not all, except for those two exceptions that I gave you, were written directly by first-hand eyewitnesses. Now, when it comes to the Quran, the Quran is written by people who were born A.M., after Muhammad. They weren't even alive when Muhammad was alive. And some of these people weren't born for another 100 years, 200 years after Muhammad, before they began writing about him. And so, and, and these are critical pieces of scripture or the hadiths the quran and the records of muhammad's life have a great problem there now let's look into some of the content of these scriptures in the bible when jesus told his stories his parables he told many parables what 39 of them there every one of them are original i mean you can't go back to any publication anything written that would be remotely close to some of the things that Jesus had taught during his lifetime. But Muhammad, 
He is guilty of plagiarism. He plagiarizes a number of uh, targums that were written in the 2nd and 3rd century. It's likely he heard these stories. They're actually children's stories based on Bible characters that were written in the 2nd and 3rd century. And because Muhammad was not, he couldn't read or write himself, and he traveled up into Syria as a caravan trader, and he learned, he you know, had the remarkable ability of reciting long, you know, long passages and tell stories and stuff and teach them. No doubt he heard some of these stories from the uh, Jews or Christians up in Syria. And he came back and he actually repeated them and claimed that they came from the prophet Muhammad, sorry, the prophet, and claimed that they came from the angel Gabriel and therefore they're in the Quran. Let me give you an example, plagiarizing the story of the seven sleepers, the heavenly table, the paraclete, the balance, Abraham's ascent into heaven, the clay bird, and the upa bird. The upa bird, I thought, is one of the most interesting stories. I think I got time to tell you about it. The upa bird, apparently, and again, these are children's stories using Bible characters, great King Solomon and all his power and stuff, had a bird army. I guess you could call it the first air force. This is found about chapter 13 in the Quran. He taught these birds to carry big rocks and drop them on his enemies, according to this uh, this uh, children's story, the Targum. So one day Solomon went out to inspect his uh, army, and the Upa bird, the, the general, was not there. He sees him the next day. Where were you during inspection? Oh, well, I was down in Sheba and telling the queen there of all your greatness and your glory. Oh, wow. Okay, well, go invite her to come back and and visit with me. And so the queen of Sheba comes. So they mix a little bit of of Bible truth and, and, and into this story. And so the queen of Sheba comes to visit King Solomon and see all his glory and wisdom. And when she comes into the throne room, She's walking in, and she sees a mirror on, on the floor, a round mirror. Well, she's never seen a mirror before. She thinks it's a pool of water, like a reflection pond. And so to, to keep her skirt from getting wet, she lifted her skirt. Now, in the Targum, uh, it says, you know, she lifted her skirt and revealed her very hairy legs. Uh, but in the Quran, the hairy legs didn't make it in there. But anyhow, but it's a clear example that Muhammad... As, as I said, you know, in a few days before, I believe Muhammad actually got these visions and these things from a spirit, certainly not from the angel of God. And I think he was genuinely thought these things were from, you know, from a heavenly uh, host and he was being deceived. But I think there's evidence also that he's deceiving himself by passing off stories that he had learned and trying to pass them on as scripture from God. These are clear examples of him doing that. But in the Bible, we don't have anything like that. And so, again, if we are going to give a critical eye to a piece of scripture like the Quran, it's only fair that we compare these things to the Bible. And when we do, and this is the beautiful thing for us as Christians, Everything they throw at the Bible keeps coming smelling like a rose. But when these things are thrown at the Quran, it sinks to the bottom of the ocean because it is in trouble, which is the problem when you try to create something instead of God creating it. Well, we're going to have to stop there. 
But I got more for you on this subject. Hope you'll join us again tomorrow at the corner of Truth and Courage. God bless you.